No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. Did you guys have people walk out of the theater like 10 minutes in? Oh. What? I did both both times. No I had way. like full groups. What the first time it was a couple, the second time it was a couple and then 2 minutes later four people walked out. I think realizing it wasn't like one of the American ones cuz it was like oh. pretty early on both times. Oh. So I assumed it was cuz there were subtitles. Oh man, that's and so I was weird. Just like, <laughs> that makes fucking sense. weaklings. <laughs> like Jesus. Preach your mind. I mean, um the first time it was like a pre-screening and like late at night at like 10.40 or something like that. So there wasn't that many people in the theater. But but then the second time I saw it, there was some people in the theater. And I, I feel like the vibes I got was everyone was into it. So oh, I don't know. same after those two things. Gotcha. Yeah. And the second time there were not very many people. I bet you there were five groups of people and two of them left. There was one group, one row ahead of me and a, a couple seats over who came in and i one, one of them was like we got to keep our phones off during the 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 movie and i'm like sick that's awesome thank you young people but then they just like talked they just like talked full on chatting and and it got very loud and they couldn't talk it was imax and it was very loud during imax and and uh but then um right about the scene where uh the little the the kid was like where's mommy they got like really quiet i'm like oh it affected them too it got it got through to them and but then when the lights came out at the end of the movie they were past the fuck out like each of them were like taking up two chairs past the fuck out and and the the guy i was with was like should we should we wake them up no no um yeah the worst i had was there was someone next to me the first time i saw it uh who kept chuckling throughout the entire movie at like tons of things that were not supposed to be funny Mm. um like it wasn't like a big guffaw or anything but they would just go (laughs) over like things like the the baby being like where's mommy (laughs) oh i was gonna say i (laughs) just like all these just completely like there's no way you can make that mistake that for being a, a, I, a human. I had point. some of that too around me. I took it as nervous laughter of like, oh God, oh my God. Maybe oh, like that on could edge be it. Laughter. Because yeah, there was some of that quite a bit in my second screening. But uh, I mean, none of us, um, sounds like none of us had it as bad as uh, our friend Rob from the Tokyo Lives podcast who... Apparently, at his screening, there was somebody listening to a podcast on their phone for the first 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> what is it? Like, it is Out crazy. Without headphones. How, how much worse movie theaters are now. Like, it's, it blows my mind. It's like, crazy. people are just looking at their phones and talking. It really fucking blows my mind. So I, I get distracted so easily. So, somebody just, like, picking up their phone is just, like, checking it without any kind of sound, like, completely takes me out of a movie. Oh, and yeah. And I... I'm just completely focused on that person. 
Uh, I'm like totally. a a uh, what's the thing that heads a moth. I'm just that is where my attention is to like the little light, mm-hmm. like no matter yes. what. And but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that story about someone listening to a podcast is some of the most like psychotic behavior that I've I've ever heard. Yeah. I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine. Like, what are you doing? What are you? How are you even? I mean, I guess you're you're you have to like have this brain where you're like, Oh, they're not speaking English. Like they're just not, there are not words at all. I could listen to other words. It's fine. I just, I can't imagine someone doing that being able to conceive of other people enough to have the thought process that you just said. Like I can't, they have to be some, have some kind of way of moving through the world that I will never comprehend. Um, I've never had someone play a podcast next to me, but during Shin Ultraman, the person, there was a seat next to me that was empty and then a person next to me and he was playing with like a fidget spinner, like so hard. And I was so fucking high on edibles and I <laughs> could not pay attention to the movie. And I, I just, in the middle of the movie, got up and left to a different part of the theater with like the two people I was with just left them behind and went by myself because I was tripping <laughs> way too hard. I just don't get it. People are fucking, Yeah. It's just a different world now. Yeah. I hit my my jewel in the movie theater, but I'm like, I like grasp it in my hand in such a way so that you can't see the light. Like that's my, I don't want the light to disturb. I'm like so paranoid that I'm going to ruin someone else's theater experience, but I'm the only person in the movie theater who is thinking that at all. And it sucks. It sucks. (laughs) The other week I went to a, it was like a bunch of it was a two hour showing of a bunch of like obscure animation and i was like i got there kind of late and i was like oh shit i forgot to clean my glasses before i i left which i always try to do before i go see a movie and then all of a sudden like it was like super foggy in front of my uh, when i was looking at the screen i was like shit shit my glasses are really fucked up aren't they and then i realized the person sitting right in front of me was uh hitting um uh <laughs> mad clouds yeah it was just a vape that was in person in front of it. yeah no i also i i zero every one of my hits when i do that i just don't want to i don't want to do anything that totally. like fucks with anyone's because movie tickets are expensive you know it's like yeah you know i could get like seven beers for the <laughs> price that i paid to just get in the door you know and like <laughs> I could totally. be doing so many other things, and but, um, so thanks for and, and also I, being good moviegoers, friends. I appreciate y'all for yeah, and, be thinking yeah, about this. All of, thanks to all of our listeners for also being such good moviegoers and mm-hmm. not being jerks in the theater. Yeah. We see you and we appreciate yeah. you. Except whoever was listening to our podcast in the middle of it. That's fine. <laughs> You're yeah. allowed to do that. I actually considering starting to go into <laughs> monster movies and doing that because i mean you can secure some some uh some some fans by doing that i think that's viral marketing yeah you, know, you have absolutely. people like rob complaining mm-hmm. about our podcast playing and they're like huh that sounds it's yeah, so I, good that you yeah. have to listen to yeah. it during anybody a movie. Says what podcast like, was have that you heard this shit yeah, <laughs> That's why from now on, uh, Barto, when you're editing, turn up the volume a lot when I say no gods, no monsters. So it just blasts <laughs> right. out. Right, right. So <laughs> everyone the in the theater can hear it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, can I tell like an unrelated, completely unrelated story about a conversation my wife had with a student today that just 
just really really made me laugh and and i was just hoping it might make you guys laugh too and we'll, we'll just go for we'll it just see where it goes so it kind of started this mid-conversation this child asked my wife who's a teacher says miss pinko are you afraid of death and she's like uh you know uh, i mean i try not to think about it you know but yeah, I think most people are. If like you led me to an edge of a building and said jump off, I would I would say no. And she goes, you know, on nine eleven, uh, the child goes, you know, on nine eleven, uh, a bunch of people jumped off the building rather than burned to death. Would you have jumped off the building, Miss Pinko, rather than <laughs> rather than burned to death? And my wife is like, I don't really want to be talking about this right now. And the kid was like. That's the problem with white people. They don't want to talk about history. (laughs) (laughs) They're not wrong. They are not wrong. The craziest turn ever. History. (laughs) And I uh, I said, this child is going places. What does she want to do? And she said, she wants to be president. That's like what this this kid wants to do when she goes up. I said, that's fucking awesome. I hope she does. What a trajectory. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that I'm, really I'm, made me I'm laugh. Assuming the kid, I'm assuming the kid isn't white. No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> if uh, Miss Pinko, if if you were in a train in a giant monster's mouth, would you drop <laughs> into the water or would you wait to be crushed? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit. I'm Sweet Baby Charlie, a.k.a. the Salmon of Knowledge, a.k.a. your friend. And I'm Bardo. And today we are talking about the brand new movie, Godzilla Minus One. Uh, y'all, this is our first time talking about a new Godzilla movie as it comes out. <gasps> Pretty That's exciting. true. That's true. Um, so we lied to you last episode. We do this all the time because we're really bad at thinking ahead and mm-hmm. said that we yeah, were going to be talking liars. about... American Werewolf in London this time, but we are not. We're talking about Godzilla Minus One, and we're not even talking about American Werewolf in London next time, because also Monarch Legacy of Monsters is out, and we're going to record an episode, we think, at the halfway point. So just hold on tight. New stuff's coming out, so we're covering that, and then we'll go back to our scheduled programming. Everybody calm down. It's going to be okay. It's kind of a double-edged sword for me, because on the one hand... I'm kind of like, oh my god, so many fucking Godzilla episodes. I'm like overdosing on Godzilla. But then on the other hand, I'm also like, for the American Werewolf episode, I have like two documentaries, two commentaries, and then I bought like two books that I want to read through to take notes on. So Jesus I'm Christ. Like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm kind of thankful for these extra few weeks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. Also new thing we're on patreon you can get a bunch of extra content for as low as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash no gods pod you should check it out lots of stuff there already um yeah i mean uh, just a dollar gets you all the stuff i mean obviously there's other tiers that we we'd appreciate but um yeah just one dollar a month we we put put a lot of work into this show uh and we make it seem effortless. We make it seem like we don't put any work into the show. So that just shows you that we're true pros. Yeah, there you can get Charlie feet pics and a bunch of other mm-hmm. stuff. All right, Charlie, do you want to... Oh, I don't know if I told you all this, but you know how you would give synopses and they started getting really weird and I would always say, 
uh, do you want to tell me what this movie's about? I've been listening to Horror Vanguard, and that's what happened to them. And literally, it got to a bit where he never tells what the movie is. He does, a, like, a different thing, and the guy always says, tell me what this movie is about, and then he does it, and I, it totally sounds like I stole that. Oh, so shit. <laughs> I didn't, but now I have to stop. So, Charlie, can you uh -oh. please Age explain Fowler the man's plot of get this on movie? Your ass. <laughs> no, it's such a good, it's such a good the rhythm. only other lefty i mean it makes sense i fell into it because it sounded good but then i started mm. listening to them and was like oh fuck they've been here way longer than us and it totally Damn looks it. like i ripped them off find another set of words though yeah yeah but for now charlie uh will you give us a plot description please sir yeah i hope you guys aren't mad at <laughs> me about this that's not the words don't use those we're <laughs> we're always mad at you about it charlie um Disadmiral shikijima decides to chicken out of his duty as a kamikaze pilot and lands on <laughs> and lands on Odo Island, claiming technical malfunctions. While there, the island is attacked by a dinozilla. The inhabitants' only, only hope is Shikijima, but he once again chickens out and cowers in fear while watching the dinozilla eat everyone else. Returning home to a Tokyo leveled by war, he obtains a living girlfriend and an orphan. In order to support... <laughs> In order to support his new family, Shikijima decides to take a job testing a prototype of the now classic computer game Minesweeper. Being much better at the game than me, Shikijima earns some nice paychecks and forms a bond with his new co-workers. However, his job soon brings him face to face again with his nemesis Dinozella, which now, due to United States nuclear tests and Bikini Atoll, has been transformed into Godzilla. Godzilla extends the rampant destruction already brought upon Japan, and Shikijima bands together with fellow citizens and fellow veterans to defeat Godzilla, seeing a hope for an opportunity to put an end to the personal wars still raging within themselves. The plan is to sink Godzilla to the ocean floor and then give him the bends Radiohead style. Unfortunately, Godzilla, like me, is immune to shitty albums, so he emerges A-OK. -okay. Facing certain destruction, the fighters brace for annihilation. However, Shikazima swoops in to fulfill his kamikaze duty, but once again he chickens out before, <laughs> before completing his mission. However, despite being forever a coward, he does end up blowing Godzilla's head off in the process. The end. It's Godzilla minus one, baby. Uh, so oh, for, you nailed it. You got it right. For what That's it's what worth. Happened. We will be playing Radiohead over you saying this. Maybe over the whole episode. I'm going to put the whole album just here. We're, every time you say, speak, Tom York is going to be singing over you. God damn it. I was going to say, Barto and I should rank the Radiohead albums right now. God damn oh, it. man. Okay. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to suggest you play, uh, and the band played Waltz and Matilda, the nine-minute version by uh, the Pogues, but... Okay, you can play some shitty music instead. Yeah, I'm going to play some shitty music instead. <laughs> I've been trying to get Charlie into Radiohead for 20 years. It's not happening. Um, <laughs> there are some songs you played without Tom York eh. singing that I enjoyed. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this fucking guy. My man, the um, angel. Angel voice. Uh, any references and sources? Uh, Barto, you got any references and sources? Uh, I read the entirety of Beyond the Pleasure Principle to prepare for... <laughs> for this by oh, Sigmund Freud. It's a pretty thin book to say I, the entirety okay, of. Right. But I read, you know, it's like 60 pages. <laughs> and it was okay. Damn. But uh, all, I'm really smart and 
and uh, rabbits all, nah, you're not. That's, that, <laughs> that, is, that is how that felt. But I mean, I just usually, so I usually read like six or seven paragraphs to prepare for this show. And Fair, you know, same. Uh, I read all uh, of Interpretation of Dreams. Sorry, uh, just just for this. I'm just kidding. No, I I mean it was this was really I like I realized I bring up the death drive a lot in this in this show, and I and I had this thought of like maybe I'm doing it wrong. But I actually, I think I stumbled onto something a little, a little more. So we'll see. Hell yeah. Love that. Uh, I don't know if it will influence me. I think there's one point I want to bring up from it, but I did listen to um, our friends, Tokyo Lives. I listened to their episode on this, or I listened to like 75% of it. I didn't have time to finish it before we nice. recorded. Hell yeah. Shout um, out to Tokyo Lives, friends yeah. of the pod. Yeah. We're going to uh, be on their uh, Christmas episode for a third year in a row pretty soon. So check that out. Wait, what? <laughs> we did agree to it. Yeah. I don't I, I mean I'm I'm fine. I just don't remember that. We, you agreed to do it. It's a it's commercials with Godzilla in them. I was actually thinking of texting him earlier today when I was listening to the podcast like, "Hey, God so damn. what about the Christmas episode?" <laughs> this year. Anyway. That's the point. <laughs> yep. Um, he would have just thought you meant hurry up, tell us what we're doing, because that's what I mean, because I'm fucking leaving soon. We got to get this done. Anyway, okay, y'all, I'm so excited. We have not talked. I've been saving my questions. We haven't talked about this movie at all. Who wants to go first? General thoughts and feelings. Ooh. I will go first. I love this movie. This oh. movie was fantastic. I know I'm generally don't have an insightful of a mind as as you guys, so maybe you guys will tell me it's like fascist propaganda. Um, <laughs> um but but yeah, uh I I had a couple nitpicks about the politics, I guess, but overall I, I was happy that I I thought politically it was good. Not that that really influences my like or dislike of a movie, but but that is something we, we talk about on this podcast occasionally. Um, a little bit. Uh, I thought the human story was was great. Um, it deals with, uh, you know, heavy issues of PTSD, survivor's guilt, um, honor, uh, the, the, the human costs of war, um, even among, uh, you know, the bad guys in wars, the the human costs there um i should say quote unquote bad guys yeah i, I thought this movie was overall just incredible and it, it it did everything right the only thing i would criticize it for which i see a lot of people praising it for is the cgi not mm. to say it's bad compared to other modern cgi i don't think it is i think it, it's perfectly fine cgi but it still j- looks to me just a lot like video game cutscenes and kind of takes me out. And uh, I would much rather see a guy in a suit. Toho, $35,000. I'll get in a fucking uh, Godzilla suit for you. I'll jump around in a, in a big water tank and I'll let people fire missiles at me. That's much um, cheaper than whatever that they paid for that, that CGI. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, CGI will just always take me out of it. And there are a lot of parts where I was like, God damn it. That just looks computer generated and i'd much rather be saying god damn it looks like a man in a suit um because that will be superior totally yeah uh, okay i after you 
Oh, I was going to go next just because I feel like mine is similar and I have a feeling that Barto might be on a different flavor of response. I don't know. Okay, you go first, Barto. Go for it. I, no, I actually, I, um, I'm sort of in the same boat with Charlie. I thought uh, the stuff where his head was like in the water looked really, really good where he was like swimming and, and the boat chasing scene looked really awesome. And most of the stuff where he was walking around, it felt a little like... Uh, it didn't feel like the density that I want Godzilla to feel like I, I couldn't help, but think of, uh, Shin Godzilla when I was watching this and actually how much more effective I thought the CGI was in, in that movie than this movie. And in, in general, I, I thought a lot about that, uh, the swings Shin Godzilla took, uh, were, were bigger and they just like tried more things for a kaiju movie that um that this though this one had like a very robust human storyline that i thought was very like touching and interesting and uh, all good things it it didn't like not it I mean it felt very much like a godzilla movie you know which is good you know and not bad you know i like watching godzilla movies but it it didn't um better uh i thought this was a really good movie and I've not seen that many movies, like new movies this year, but I've seen a lot of people saying Godzilla Minus One is one of the best films of the year. And I think that's very strange because it feels like a Godzilla movie to me, which I, I don't know if any other Godzilla movie sure, has sure, come sure. out and people have been like, this is the best film of the year. Um, <laughs> sure, and, no, totally. And, and, and maybe, again, I really, really, I saw it in IMAX. It was fucking so loud like when the the planes oh, roar it just like rumbles and and the music at that volume was so exhilarating and and yeah and i thought you know again i don't think he looked godzilla looked awful it just like and i thought his design looked really really good i thought it was like mm -hmm. uh you know and also i you know this movie had the same budget as fucking Fargo did when that came out. This was like a twelve million dollar yeah. movie or something like that. Fifteen million dollars, you know, yeah. yeah, like incredible, like completely fucking mind blowing that they made this with the money they did. And so I don't, I don't yeah. totally no faulting for anything. Yeah. Anyways, I I have mostly very positive feelings about this movie. Hell yeah! Before you go, I just want to point out that according to Kaiju News, the Twitter account, this has now surpassed Oppenheimer on IMDb as the highest rated 2023 blockbuster. So I really like uh, Oppenheimer. I have mixed feelings about it. I didn't it, see but... Oppenheimer, but I'm just uh, jumping on your thing about uh, people talking about how this is one of the best movies of the year. Like that, that's, uh, I guess, according to them on IMDb, that's what people, that's how people are rating it. Um, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes too. It's like at like 96% <laughs> certified fresh or whatever. Yeah. Like it's doing... yeah. Pete, everyone fucking it's like loves 98 percent audience reaction like 96 percent critic reaction on yeah. Rotten tomatoes um yeah i'm trying to think i think i i don't get out often enough to see modern movies enough just because i just they're just usually don't hit my interest notes uh, high enough to go see them um uh i, I feel like barbie's probably my favorite movie other than godzilla i've seen this year and i'm trying to think in my head which one i prefer and i think it's godzilla slightly hmm. um but but i did love barbie 
Okay, I'm going to tell you what I thought of this movie now. Yes. I definitely went into this thinking it was going to be cool, but that it was going to be fucked. Like, I thought politically it was yeah, going to be fucked. Yeah, me too. So that was like my, my setting going in because I'm like, this guy is a history, the director of, from what I understand, having very nationalistic films. Toho has that theme going. They did Shin Godzilla, which I love, but also had some very nationalistic stuff going on. And I didn't understand how they could do a World War II movie and not do that. And now I get how they did that. They didn't fully avoid it, but basically did. And I fucking love this movie. This movie fucking rules. I, I think that this is easily the second best Godzilla movie ever made. I don't know that it's wow. my second favorite Godzilla movie, but it's definitely m way more like this and Shin Godzilla and the original are the only ones that are like, objectively good movies to me and the rest are like <laughs> i love them because i love them and this movie like i saw uh i saw barbenheimer saw some other stuff in theaters none of them affected me like this like i mm. was going and i was enjoying it the human story was good it didn't blow me away but it looked really good i can't believe that for 15 million dollars they got these fucking sets to look the way they did like incredible fucking shit fully on board everybody in the audience having a great time and we'll get to it but when the ginza attack happened I have not been affected like that in a movie in so fucking long. The fact that the 37th movie entry in this series, of which I've seen all of them, mo most of them multiple times, if not all of them multiple times, could, like, surprise me and fuck me up to where I was, like, gripping the seat for, like, 20 minutes. Like, holy shit, they did that. Fucking awesome. And I thought that the way that they used Godzilla was creative, like, obvious but in a good way of like why haven't we done that before just like fucking stellar movie and i'm probably gonna go see it again this week it's just fucking wow. yeah yeah i might i'm going to my mom's this week and i might try to take her to go see it and i've I think i've convinced my i convinced my brother to go see it but based on if he can convince his wife to go see it so i'm hoping <laughs> i i convinced a couple people to go see it and all of them were so fucking stoked i yeah, texted bracken and 20 minutes later he was at a movie theater and was just like <laughs> oh my god guys dude um, I, yeah. Um, I convinced two of my friends to see it, one of which I think the only Godzilla movie I've seen before was when I took him to see Hedorah a few weeks ago, which it was a dubbed Hedorah, which I didn't know going in. And uh, basically, people were laughing at the entire thing, so I don't think it was the best experience. But besides that, I think he's only seen it on like uh, Mystery Science Theater Godzilla movies. And then, yeah, he said he really liked this. And then I was disappointed to see on his letterbox he only rated it 3.5. But then I checked again today and he raised it to a 4. So. Uh, <laughs> So that's pretty good. That. And then the other person uh, that went with us also said he really loved it. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I was happy about that. I also went with a friend who had never seen a Japanese Godzilla movie before. And uh, he was like, I guess I got to watch some more of these. I'm like, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's like two other ones that kind of... Kind of... I I, and now, but now you got me feeling like maybe did I like miss something? Am I like underselling this somehow? Because I like I don't know. I mean, I we'll, love your we'll talk about the themes. I I feel like I don't know. There we watch these all the time. Like the American Godzilla, the new ones are not good. No, no I no. love them, but they're not good. Most of them are so cheap and shitty, and I love them. But this was just like a legitimately well-crafted, mm -hmm. not rushed. Like most Godzilla movies are pretty fucking rushed. Mm. Not rushed, solid movie that 
where like the human story like we know people's names we give a shit about them and like i was in a theater full of people who were like moved like the person i brought the second time cried i was on the edge of tears like i have maybe it's just that i haven't seen enough godzilla movies new in the theater but i think that i was i didn't expect it to be so like moving there are some criticisms i have some parts were predictable some parts were a little melodramatic but also the country that is making the movie talking about the topics they're talking they can be melodramatic if i made Mm -hmm. this movie i couldn't be this melodramatic but they can um i will say like godzilla is a little sparse and so when i rewatched it i was like excited for this certain thing to happen and then when it happened i was kind of like okay and i'll wait for the rest of the movie i wasn't as in it as i am with all movies but i mean i don't know i i think the way they used godzilla was very smart and good and i also love that the general conversation about this movie is about the themes Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that's a very common thing for a new Godzilla movie. Sure, Definitely not um, the American ones. No one's like, oh, well, for oh, sure. why were Kong and Godzilla fighting? What was, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> were they um, titans of industry? Were they, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Well, where do you yeah. want to start? There's some stuff to want. Go ahead. I just want to say, I don't know if I undersold it, but I'm pretty much in agreement with Rabbit on all that, that, that I think objectively, technically... Even though I hate the, I hate that way of looking at movies is that these aren't actually good movies and this isn't actually a good movie. Sure. I don't actually prescribe to that, but knowing that's how people generally look at films, like I agree with you that this is objectively, um, through that lens, uh, one of the best Godzilla movies. I think sure. it's just an excellently crafted movie. Um, and my criticism yeah. of CGI, I just really want to underline: if I saw a Hollywood movie that was made for five hundred million dollars, I would have that same criticism of their right. CGI. Oh, yeah, everyone who listens knows you hate CGI. It's okay. fair. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's fair. I, I do want to say, like I said, this is very much a Godzilla movie, you know, like, and it's weird to me that, like, everyone's like, this is the best movie of the year. But I do think it's an exceptional one. Don't get me wrong. Like, sure. I, I think, sure, like, sure, sure. you know, I, I do think you're, you're correct that it's, like, a very well crafted one but i guess i wasn't like moved to tears you know or like i didn't like feel like i was on the precipice of that i was like touched and i like i felt things but i i guess i i didn't have quite the emotional get the quite the emotional resonance from it but now i wish i had i wish i had i don't know if it's because uh we have a podcast or whatever but i know going in if i watch a movie that i'm gonna cover that i'm gonna be like thinking about the podcast and like like when I had a Star Wars podcast and the new Star Wars came out, I could not think. I was so stressed out. And I personally was not emotionally moved at all the first time. And the second time I was because I had like let go um, of whatever stress or thinking or like, what what is this going to be? How am I going to talk about it? What does it mean? Is it going to be fucked up? Is it going to be fascist? Is it going to be whatever is like was gone? Um, but I mean, I, I have a place I'd like to start if y'all are down. Please. I have two questions. One. um, First of all, Barto, how many times did you see this? Did you see this once or twice? Once. Because um, I know you had originally said you were going to see it on Tuesday, but I guess the... Yeah. Um, and then you said the director is known for nationalist uh, themes That's in his what movies. I've heard. I don't okay. know. I, I don't mean, know all, the specifics. All I've seen from this director is his Lupin adaptation, and that's uh, the protagonists are all French characters. And they're against Nazis, so it, it just I, kind of completely I, avoids Japan. 
Um, I, I've heard his stuff is really good, and like the Parasite duology is really good. Mm-hmm. I just know that when it first got announced that it'd be World War II and this director, people were like, "Uh oh, this director has leaned into those themes before." But I couldn't uh-huh. tell you. Like, I'm hearing a thing of who knows yeah. how many t- games of telephone that is. Um, well, that's kind of what I wanted to start with. Was I did not conceive of how they could do this movie without it being super fucking fascist because it's World War II Japan. Like, yeah. And, and kamikaze the, ans- <laughs> the answer was you don't see the government ever. You see, except for like officers, the government is a shadow that you hear about and all we're seeing is the ripple effects of the government. Mm-hmm. I think we can talk at some point about how that might be dancing around an issue that maybe they should have brought up, but at least in their main, how they're portraying it, this shadow is a bad shadow, right? Like, yes, I thought that was awesome. I really liked that the main characters were seeing the horrible effects of a war that like, it's like, I want them to, take some accountability for what Japan was doing, but I also think it worked really well that that's not the experience that these people would have had. They're just told to go to war. They're yeah. just seeing a war torn area. They're just having their loved ones taken from them, you know? Sorry, when I said, like, the quote, unquote, I forgot exactly what I said, but uh, um, what I meant is, like, the individual people involved in Japan who, you know, you can always say soldiers, you know, they have personal accountability whether or not to be part of a war or not and there's something yes. to that but but there is it's still it's i just don't think they're com- always completely condemnable uh, i guess um uh this is a person who's you know told his entire life to, about honor and in your country and well, and he's yeah I, I don't know it's so hard <clears throat> to talk about sorry and 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 our main character didn't kill anyone in the war as far as we know you know like um he he opted out of it which you know is cool Mm -hmm. um yeah and and they do the the there's that like what you said rabbit there's that line where they they say like this country doesn't value life you know as as this as their you know or country or government i forget i i didn't i didn't bring my it notebook treats life cheaply yeah that's it mm-hmm. and and maybe maybe we shouldn't come to this but they mean for japanese people you know like it, mm-hmm. it's sort of like how i sure and that's that's sort of like the trouble here in, yes <clears throat> in how they're treating world war ii is like this is how world yeah. war ii related to japan yes and the people that live in japan yeah. uh, rather than totally anyone else that whole speech i was just kind of like i kind of want you to throw in uh and they send us to stupid pointless wars <laughs> like yeah they tell us to kill people we shouldn't be killing like something like that and it's like oh it, it will, might come off across as kind of cheesy but i still want you to throw that in like i i totally agree that that's like a glaring thing missing from this movie but i also think that this is a movie for Japan, and this doesn't excuse it, but I think it's good to show mm. their government as hating you yes. as the audience. Yes. And definitely. I think like they did an awesome job of that. So I I think that there's the issue with it and there's the cool stuff about it. I would love to dwell on the cool stuff about it for a bit because it's not yes. just that speech. It's the entire movie. Absolutely. Like the second shot of the movie or third, I don't remember, is showing the landing gear of the plane that he that um our main character is on as he's going to Odo Island. 
and it's a close-up of the bomb underneath it inches from the runway he's landing on as he's landing like it's showing from the second we start this movie they don't even care if you can land the plane like Mm -hmm. as an audience member i took that as wow if they treat their own people this bad how bad are they treating the other people too as like a pretty big criticism of the japanese government which i was not expecting and which was very fucking awesome and isn't a big thing about kamikaze pilots just like it was a cost cutting instead of like fully equipping their planes to be able uh, for the survivability of the pilot. It was, uh, you know, just kill yourself. Yep. And yep. get some destruction. Yeah. I'm, I mean, like you said, when this was announced, like when I watched the trailer for this movie, my first reaction was, Oh no. Yeah. I can't, I can't <laughs> believe they're making this movie. Like how, the how, what the fuck is this going to be? And I walked away. So, pleasantly i mean i saw the reviews coming in and i didn't see anyone say like what the fuck did i just watch uh (laughs) and so that's good but yeah i just like i i thought except for the i mean it's a big except for the neglect of everyone everyone else i thought this was a pretty radical movie in in its Mm -hmm. in its critique of the the state um and and war and not in a way that you have to dive into, like on its sleeve. And they do do this thing that we'll, we probably need to unpack a little bit, where they make a distinction between like a war for death and a war for life, which is interesting. And, and especially it coming, the war for life being fought by, you know, I, obviously like, Navy people are involved, but ostensibly from the ground up, you know, is is a pretty radical, I don't know, idea for for a film, I think. I mean, Mm. I took that as straight up, like, I feel like we're, yeah, this movie wears its theme so much on its sleeve. There's no, like, getting to the ending where we reveal what we thought of the movie. So I think I'm just going to dive in. uh, Yeah, please. Like, you're, what you're talking about reminded me very much of the uh, political mentality of like sabotage and get away versus blockade where you lock yourself to a barrel like don't like sacrifice for sacrifice's sake is bullshit this movie was like sacrifice is bullshit there is no honor in dying for anything if you don't have to and i liked the live to fight another day like idea as this kind of very to me a thing that i that like my favorite strains of anarchism uh, are about uh, where like there is no fucking beautiful meadow at the end of the fucking uh rainbow or whatever all Mm -hmm. we have is means ends don't justify means sometimes you have to do fucked up shit to survive or to protect people or whatever but if you can get not do that then remember why you're fighting while you're fighting and in how you're fighting and not in like a bullshit don't fucking destroy cop cars way because we're not fighting for cop cars in a like the whole point of resistance is the preservation of things we love so let's preserve ourselves if we can like i thought that was mm-hmm. fucking awesome yeah. and that being in the shadow of this government that gets only criticism in this movie is pretty radical feeling yeah and i like how is uh just right out the gate on that message where uh, one of the first lines in the movie is uh, Tachibana telling um, Shikijima, just uh, what's the fucking point of killing yourself for something yep. that's already a foregone conclusion. Yeah, um, totally. And I also like how that character, he ends up having 
so much to blame on Chikijima and hate Chikijima for, but he's still at the end is like, yo, I installed this injection sheet and seat in your plane because uh, it's fucked up to kill yourself for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Deleuze refers to fascism as a uh, like uh, a suicide state. The you know uh, uh, the and I just that's what I kept thinking about when I was watching this movie. Like like it was it was saying the fascism of Imperial Japan was itself suicidal, and I thought like and they just laid yeah. it all out there. I thought that was so cool. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, exciting to watch on on screen some of this shit. And and this this plays into the major theme, but like I think it's a good bridge of like we don't know why the government, I mean we know, right? But it's not stated why the government's doing anything. We just know that at the point we're seeing people are being asked to kill themselves for a war they're already going to lose for mm-hmm. a thing that we all in the audience know is a bad cause, right? Yeah. And the people that are being used as fodder, as literal bombs or bullets or whatever, they're the ones taking on the guilt, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot about guilt in this movie. Guilt and blame. Yeah. And yeah. like, no matter what he did, he would have be tormented inside. His mom told him to stay alive. So he stays alive. If he didn't, he'd feel tormented in his last moments. He'd be dying for nothing and he'd be disobeying what his mom begged him to do. And what he knows is right. If he did what he did, he feels like it's his fault they lost the war. It's his fault all these people died. No matter what, people are going to internalize this fucking guilt, the survivor's guilt, and just general blame for something that they never even, they don't even get to touch or see the entity that is giving them this blame. Like, it's it's fucking gnarly. Mm-hmm. I want to ask y'all, what do you think? Okay, let's take a break and then jump back. The fucking atomic breath, folks. <laughs> what the fuck? Holy shit. Were either of you expecting yeah. that? N- no. No. Not like that. That was so, uh, I mean, beautiful and horrifying and like, I don't know. It was, it wow. was art. Barta thinks destruction is beautiful. Sometimes. <laughs> not not that, you know. Fucking. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it stopped me. Like, it. stopped all of my analyzing it stopped all of everything and i was just like frozen 37 fucking movies before they made his breath an actual atomic bomb (laughs) what the fuck yeah like and it makes so much sense thank god a japanese movie did it first of all and it makes so much sense that they did it in the time period they did um but that was fucking savage, y'all. That Ginza attack scene is one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen in a movie theater. Again, in IMAX, highly recommend seeing this movie in fucking IMAX because that was just Ugh. just physically rocked me. And uh, and uh, Godzilla firing his thing off, and then that the colors in the background as as the mm-hmm. mushroom cloud goes off, and it was just I don't know, remarkable. Yeah, and yeah. it's. Yeah, I mean, maybe I need to rewatch Shin Godzilla, but it's like, uh, it feels like one of the most destructive, like, scenes. It, like, like the whole, I just don't mean, um, you know, the, the death toll, uh, of it, which we're told is 30,000, I think. Um, but yeah, just the whole impact of it, it just feels like, I don't think there's ever been a Godzilla scene up till that that's felt that impactful in its whole, um, destruction. Although once again, I saw it in IMAX, so maybe that that contributed to that. Sure, but 
I, yeah. it'd be yeah, a five really... hour fucking round trip for me to go to an IMAX theater, but y'all are really making me feel <laughs> like I should. Yeah, I, the Shin Godzilla destruction scene before this, I thought was the most destructive, but this is a whole nother level where it doesn't need to spin around and shoot fancy lights out of its tail. It's just the actual <laughs> atomic bomb effect. Mm-hmm. And like, the fucking suction, you know, everything goes out and then everything sucks back in was so intense and like it was a little over the top and silly, like he's the only one who survives, except somehow his girlfriend uh don't understand. Uh because he's in an alley like a foot in. But mm-hmm. it also was like so effective to see him walk out and it look like fucking Hiroshima. Like yeah. how gnarly Suspension of a decision to make. Like Yeah. It it like made sense to me that she was still alive it like tracked you know there were like thirty thousand people that's a lot of people but also like i don't know how many how many people live there probably like a million you know like yeah, you know yeah, it's true. it like i'm like this all felt plausible to me that like made but yeah that scene was of him walking out i mean there are just like a number there are a number of moments in this movie where they were making a point about just how devastating war is to the environment to the physical landscape yeah uh and mm-hmm. all of them were just you know when he comes back home i know where i don't is that okay if i if i jump over there am i am i leaving something behind if Anywhere, i do dude. it when, when he fall van halen jump. Uh, <laughs> uh when he comes back home and just nothing is left it it that was like that was horrifying. That was like a horrifying yeah. thing to see on screen. And and to just think that like, you know, and that like real people came back from 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 participating in this in this, um, I don't know, death ritual. To find just nothing left. And then, yeah, this guy, you know, has people shitting on him for not fully partaking in in the death ritual and mm. which you know they're they're little it's, little little fascists themselves little the police yeah. and that that just serves to reinforce his because he feels the same way about himself so that's just right yeah and i think that the there's a lot of callbacks to real life and the first movie happening with that scene because mm-hmm. you know ishiro honda was at war came back and walked through Hiroshima to see the destruction and that's part of what he was thinking about when making the movie he had a grenade that should have gone off next to him but didn't on his desk for like his entire life at this at Toho so there's some survivor's guilt going on there when Shikishima he gets injured oh no that's beforehand whatever I'll just say it like when he gets injured um shooting Godzilla and he realizes he's the one who could have killed Godzilla and he didn't. And so now this is his fault is the way he's taking it right when he realizes that and decides he has to kill Godzilla. He has a bandage around his head that was just like Ogata's uh, bandage around his head in the first movie, which was supposed to be a callback to kamikaze pilots wearing the band. Like it's all, there was a lot of intentionality in this movie to tie it back to like where we all came from with this in the first place. Mm. And I think the, Oh man, the like ground zero of that, for lack of a better term, is him literally just looking around and everything is destroyed, and that's what Godzilla was about from the beginning. It's so fucking intense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I can articulate this or if it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I I really like how you know this movie is focused on Shikazima, Shikishima, Shika. 
Zima. Um, I I said it right somewhere in there, I think. Shikazima. Um, and his personal feelings of uh, survivor's guilt and, and uh, dishonor and how his war isn't over. But then when you get to the... Um, them forming the plan to kill Godzilla. You see this whole group of uh, of veterans who are gathered together, and you realize that, you know, this isn't just his guilt, his war that's still going on. This is really for all these people. It's, um, yeah. uh, this is just a thing that they really all feel, so they all feel like a semblance of... Um, duty and uh, fighting this new war that's presented to them that they are left without anybody else to, f- to fight with them or for them. Um, but, but this but, time they can choose to, right? Yes, they can choose to. But, but I, uh, I just like how, you know, the movie centered on this one character's uh, guilt, uh, survivor guilt um, and struggle. But you realize as the movie goes on, you realize that that applies to so many other people there. Right. One of the questions I had when I left the theater that I now have a strong answer for, it might be different than other people's answers or slightly different, uh, is like, what is Godzilla in this movie? Obviously, in some ways, he's the atomic bomb because he does a literal atomic bomb. But like, Godzilla in this movie, we don't see him attack government buildings. We don't see him attack the financial center. We don't see any of that. We see him attack the people that we see who's like war is still going on. Like Godzilla is the war that continues for the people after the war for the government is over. Like they are done. They get to clean up and say, okay, we finished and go on. But the people don't get to their war continues and their war, their, their PTSD, their like lives being disconnected. The grief from their families dying is as bad as an atomic bomb. That's what this Mm -hmm. movie is saying. It's fucking an awesome way to use Godzilla, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Can we talk about Death Drive for a few minutes, as long as we're 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 in this yeah. in this spot? Because totally, I I actually think possibly that they were they were literally thinking about Beyond the Pleasure Principle, like as a text when they when they which did, is a Freud a text by Sigmund Sig- Freud. Siggy. Yeah, when they when they made this movie. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna give like a very basic rundown of it and and sort of the the points where where it crosses over um, with the film because I think there's more than like a few things. There's more than just like thinking about Death Drive itself. I think they're thinking about the actual text. So it's about Freud. You know, Freud has this basic economy of like pleasure and unpleasure, and like unpleasure comes from like excitation. Pleasure comes from like less excitement. You know, so. Like you, you uh, get excited about something, you feel tension, and then you relax, and it, you know. And his basic idea is that, like us as people, go work towards pleasure, like that we are pleasure machines, more or less. And he discovered this this thing, mostly talking to World War One veterans, where they were having what he would call like non-productive, repeating unpleasure. So, you know, he would say you might have bad dreams. This is where most of this lives. Dreams are important in this movie too. You might have bad dreams, but like most of your bad dreams are like about helping you in some way and not just reliving trauma and transporting you back to trauma. So the fact that, so he had a, I just want to make sure I'm following. He had like 
a thesis or idea that this is how the human psyche operates, the unconscious and the subconscious and all that stuff, like, is going towards pleasure. But then by talking to people with severe PTSD, showing different patterns, that problematized or complicated this theory of us always going towards pleasure. Thank you. Perfect. So he describes this traumatic neurosis. He calls it a traumatic uh, neuroses coming specifically from surprise, not like fear, uh, but, you know, like being unprepared for a fear, which is, of course, related to the attack on the beach. Uh he said, dreams following uh, the traumatic neuroses bring the subject back to the event, uh, which we, of course, see. He's, he is, you know, transported back to the event. Uh, yeah, when he has that dream of being on the beach again yeah, with Godzilla. Right. And, uh, you know, okay. dreams are supposed to be what, what he would call his wish fulfilling. But like, but these dreams kind of like fuck that up, that they don't they don't behave that way. He, he says... Patients aren't much occupied by memories of the accident during the day itself and uh, are perhaps more interested in not thinking of it, uh, which matches up pretty precisely with uh, Koichi and how his like relationship is actually with uh, Noriko. Is that, how, is that her name? Noriko? Is, is Koichi the main guy? Yes. His last name is what I always go by. Okay. Yeah, Koichi is his first yeah. name. Yeah, and it is. It, I'm pretty sure it's Noriko. Yeah. His relationship with Noriko is completely unable to move forward because he never mm-hmm. thinks about this while he's awake, really. He doesn't, because, and he doesn't speak about it. It never, really? ever, ever comes up. Um, <clears throat> um, so there's a couple ways he sort of talks about um, this idea of the compulsion to repeat. He, he, his first example is like a small child calling, playing this game he calls Fort and Da, which is a child throwing a ball away, fort, it means gone, and then going and getting it, which is there. Um, the kid play, and they, they make the suggestion that, like, the kid, you know, he, like, feels bad when the ball is gone, but he feels good when he gets it back. And he, he makes the suggestion, basically, that the kid plays because he was a, like, passive his his mom left him all the time. You know, his mom would go to work, but he was like very well behaved about that. And the Freud suggests that he is not actually feeling okay about the fact that his mom leaves, but he is now taking like an active role in that feeling of uh, something leaving him. You know, instead of pass, he's a passive person when mom leaves, but now he's taking an active role. He's saying, you know, basically, he like, can't control. He can't control his mom leaving or coming back, but he control can control the ball leaving and coming back. Right, and he's just always playing this game. Uh, this, of course, to me, recalls uh, Koichi in the cockpit of the plane, t- taking a passive role, and then later uh, putting himself back into the plane, taking an active role, repeating the situation. Interesting. Uh, Freud suggests that the patients literally relive... Uh, instead of remember the experience again, like like Koichi uh, waking from the dream and assuming that like he and everyone else is dead, you know, is is he is um, he he kind of calls it like Freud calls it like being un uh, the the memory is like unstuck from time essentially and and is like with you in this moment instead of in the past. 
outside of the dreams and the the compulsion to get back in the plane, I, I guess I've not really given like great evidence for this compulsion to repeat. But he also talks about this idea called uh, neurotic transference phenomenon, and and transference in psychoanalytic thought is basically like is the patient treating using the analyst or the the therapist as like a figure from uh, their past. So it, a good example is like a, a patient might not know that they were like like defiant to their parents when they were a child, but they are defiant to uh, the therapist and they're, the, they're, the therapist takes on that role. In this case, transference is from Godzilla uh, to Noriko, like his repeating of the compulsion to literally do nothing, which is how he is with his entire mm relationship with Noriko. He doesn't kick her out of the house when she just stays there. He doesn't become romantically involved with her. He doesn't like do anything. Uh, he is completely passive for their entire relationship, except going to work. I mean, he's like a good guy and he's a provider, but he doesn't like make any moves. He then basically describes this as the death drive. He makes some like really wild claim that um, how all nature is, is constantly longing to return to an earlier state like a conservative compulsion to repeat he eventually kind of like retracts that claim that that's everything but he does suggest that there's two drives there's death drive and and uh like a drive for life um it's before computers we know about some more drives now <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally yes eros and and uh thanatos don't forget kids thanos your favorite uh marvel villain probably named after Thanatos, the Death Drive, which is probably not true. Thanatos is probably named after something else that's more like Thanos, but anyway, yeah. continue. And don't he... forget, kids, uh, Thanos, part of the Marvel Universe for babies. Don't watch it. <laughs> he also goes on this whole long aside about like immortality in unicellular organisms uh, if the conditions are correct, and I, I couldn't help but think about Godzilla's seeming immortality, even if he had like subjected uh e even Godzilla is like subjected to this compulsion to repeat which like becomes essential for their their plan even you know he 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 goes to shore and they're like well he's definitely coming back here you know Godzilla is too like stuck in this sort of like cycle but yeah then we have we have these two drives and which really ties into how we think about war in this movie completely you know there is there is a mm, war for death, and then there is a war for life. You know, is is how they sort of break this up. And I can I just yeah. complicate just the word Please. the word war for life. I don't think they say that, but I do think that they wanna they wanna do a struggle with life in mind rather than a a war for death. Yeah, you're right. A, a struggle for life. I mean, it's but sure. again, it's like a, a you know, it's a it's a drive you know it's uh in the end of you know it again he he does the the same thing that he is supposed to do at the beginning of the movie he's supposed to like crash his plane into something but with a with the overcoming his drive for death um hell yeah and getting out of the getting out of the fucking cockpit and you could kind of see the entire war especially like we said because there 
nothing is stated as a reason for this war in the movie right. and as far as you can tell from the logic of the movie people are going to war because you're supposed to is a very death drive way of seeing war yes yeah for sure and, and, and then my last little yes. point i started thinking about like godzilla as like a creature of pure death drive in in the sense that like there's he there's no like you know eros the love and life and godzilla doesn't like have anyone to love or anything else and he's this creature longing for death who cannot die and that felt kind of tragic to me i just want to also add that death drive of the government and throwing people out that they even were doing that after they knew that they had lost and they still extended it on and on. Suicidal state. Yeah, absolutely. I loved all that, Barto. Two things it brought me to. Uh, One, you talked about Freud even going off into single celled organisms um, with like basically being immortal. Yes. uh, Which is kind of interesting because of one of the last shots of the film, which is Godzilla as a just blob growing more blob. Even mm-hmm. though he is kind of a death drive, it compl- it shows the the intricate dance between death and life, yeah. right? I mean, yes, he's again. That's why he's he's tragic because he just he can't die. He and and he needs to. I have, yeah, I agree. I have one other thing that what you said brought up, but I want to talk about that last shot for a second first. I loved that this movie did such a good job with its themes, like overdid it, where everybody knows what this movie is about. Um, to the point where when I see that scene of him st- still being alive, I think not just, oh, that's a cheap grab so that we'll think there's a sequel, but also, holy shit, it's not that easy to get rid of the war after the war. The war that mm-hmm. everyone's going through doesn't die as easily as flying a plane into its mouth. And even though our main character says, what, uh, uh, what's her name? Namiko? Noriko, I think. Noriko. Even though Nor- the last lines of the movie is Noriko saying, is your war over? And him saying yes, and it's very touching. Then we see that the 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 uh, manifestation like of Godzilla that is that war is not gone. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. he couldn't. Fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't have killed him. Like, it, none of the, no. the rest of the themes would have made sense if he had died. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it's not so easy. You can't kill... PTSD. You can't kill your yeah. whole family being di- dead. You can't kill survivor's well, guilt all, or any of that. My war, my black flag. It's another good song you could play. Uh, I don't really know how to say this. Um, as someone who reads a lot of personal accounts of PTSD and survivor's guilt, I just I, I feel like this movie was really well made. And that oh, yeah, cast I guess and um. A lot of it rings really true. I also, I don't know, likes the right word, but I, but I, the way he finally seems to be coming, he finally opens up to Noriko with his PTSD, and he seems to finally be coming to terms with it, and maybe accepting that he can let something else into his life, even if his war isn't completely over. As soon as he starts realizing that is when uh, Godzilla attacks and kills her. Um, Good point. Kind of putting it into that. But uh, yeah, those are just a couple of things I, I appreciated. And let's, no, totally. And let's not forget that Godzilla roars his ass off and blows up Ginza. 
And then what does Shaki, uh, Shikishima do? Fucking roars his ass off, screaming, roaring. We've never had a protagonist do a Godzilla roar after a Godzilla roar, which just hammers <laughs> home that Godzilla is the war inside of his yeah. head, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. fucking perfect. Yeah. So well done. In the same way, like his, uh, you know, he landed and on the plane in the uh, in the very first scene, like he chose life in in that moment rather than killing himself for war, and and he opened up to his his platonic roommate, <laughs> you know, and and chose life, and again got death yeah. came swooping in because like it's not all done up in his noggin. There's like much yep. in there. Um, the other thing that you brought up was the death drive being partially responsible for the way he acted with his found family. And I like that reading of it, but I also think there might be other readings of it. Sure. Like the way that I read him not accepting his wife or his daughter uh, is that quite a few things, but like one, he thinks he's still at war because he is. And when you're at war, you don't get fucking married, right? You wait till you're back from war. Mm-hmm. So even though the war is not happening, it's happening, right? Um, but also, I feel like he felt such shame and guilt yeah. that he didn't want to do anything to make himself look good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he he yeah. couldn't be like, oh, yeah, I took care of these people. He has to. He's not being modest. He's telling himself, you suck. You're a horrible yeah. person. You can't take credit for saving these two people. Also, or he helping just feels these like he doesn't people. deserve it as well. Like, Definitely. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the same part of his brain. Yes. But I also think another layer is that he doesn't want to lose them. And he thinks if he doesn't build a strong connection, if they're not married, if he doesn't have a kid calling him daddy, then if he loses them, like he lost his family and everything else, it won't hurt mm-hmm. as bad. But what we see is the opposite, right? He, he loses... Uh, Noriko, and instead he feels this shame and guilt for not having married her yet, and other people reinforce that, and it's like this, oh, I don't want to build attachments, but you're actually just focusing on the, like, the bullshit labels as the attachment when the attachment's there, right? That that was, like, so crazy when his bud was, like, should have married her. Like, what an insane (laughs) mean thing to say to your friend. I know he didn't mean it in a mean way, but oh my god. I say that to all my friends after they, like, break up or uh, anything bad happens to them in the relationship. Um, My friend that I went to see it with the first time, who has a kid and a wife, he, one of the first things he said after the movie was that he loved when Noriko was gone and there was, like, the next door neighbor in the room and there were, like, four dudes and the kid starts crying. Akiko starts crying and none of the men know what to do at all. Yes. <laughs> They're just like, look, yeah. he was like, I love that. It was so yeah. relatable. They're just, like, looking off like, oh, fuck, what yeah. do we do? Uh, it's also very convenient he met uh, somebody as unique as Noriko who just kind of, like, forces herself into his life because yeah. otherwise I think he would have... Uh, just rejected any kind of uh, relationship with anybody at that point. But you stumbled on the one person who's just like, nope, I'm going to stay here. (laughs) Yes, and Noriko's fucking awesome. And also, Akiko is like the cutest child in the world. Oh my god, such a cute kid. My favorite part was uh, uh, 
radishes when he wakes God. up oh. um, and she's cooking dinner for or breakfast for her and yep. then she goes and i also put a radish in it uh because i know you love radish or whatever and and uh akiko just goes radish that that was my favorite like oh my gosh she's the cutest thing ever because uh i mean i mentioned before one of my best friends she has like a two-year-old and a four-year-old and i hang out with them a lot and yeah i mean that just rings so true of like what her two-year-old might do is just like repeat that one word of the thing in the sentence that's special to her and it just be the cutest fucking thing you've ever heard but yeah cutest one of the cutest act uh, kids ever and a really good actor too yeah Yeah. i am great yeah although i do think it's oh man this is supposed to make my cold open i forgot to write it down i think it's fucked up to lie to your kids those drawings sucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maddox. <laughs> right? I do. Yeah. Um, since we brought up the neighbor who we haven't brought up before, I there's one point I thought they did really well in the movie, which was it's like this, this feedback loop of criticism of people for taking on the morals of the government and the government in this like spiral where like Shakisima, is that how you say it? I'm keep losing it. Shikazima, Shikishima, Shikishima, um, is okay. We are seeing him that his pain and all the other characters' pain is resulting from orders from a government that is not present and not seen, mm-hmm. and that is sacrificing their lives for its cause. And then when he is gonna uh, kill himself in the plane, or he thinks he's going to. He is the government doing that to his neighbor, right? He leaves a bundle of money and a note that is just a command that his neighbor, I think it was like Sumiko, I can't remember. Sumiko, um, I think. D- yes, doesn't she doesn't get to see him make it. She doesn't know why he made the order. He just She just gets a piece of paper and it literally says like, use this money for Akiko, something else i forget it's just like a command and Mm -hmm. he's basically playing out the same role of this government that we're criticizing and then we see that actually that was the wrong call and when she sees him again she's pushing him and hitting him and he knows why like he knows he did something wrong and i just thought i loved how tight this movie was that every fucking scene reinforced its themes and carried them through you know to piggyback on that um i didn't realize this but uh tokyo lives uh tokyo lives podcast brought that up brought this up um when we first see somiko she like hits shikazima on the chest being like you you coward you this is yeah. the destruction you wrought but then at the end of the movie when she sees him again after uh the attack on godzilla she again hits him on the chest and she's like you you uh stupid nice. fool. <laughs> like yeah. it's um, the opposite yeah uh that I thought that was a good uh, notice by Tokyo Lives. Good job, Tokyo Lives. Also, I love her little thing early on where she's like, I can't believe you'd take that person in. That's not me. I'm not helping anyone anymore. Oh, there's a child? Here's all of my rice. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was very cool to see that like the people being fucked over by the government can't be as cold as the government even when they're mm-hmm. trying to be. Yeah. Doesn't she even accuse him of, like, you know, isn't she like, oh, you're trying to be a hero, but you'll never be a hero or something yes. like that? Yeah. But yeah, Sumiko was, was cool. Hell yeah. I, I was reminded of A Paradise Built in Hell 
by Rebecca Rebecca Solnit. I don't Solnit. I'm not exactly sure you pronounce her name. Doesn't but sound like much of a paradise. No, well that's the thing. It's a, it's a book but about. I guess I'm a dummy. No, 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 no. It's unintuitive. That's the whole point of the book. Is is uh is following natural disasters, how communities are built following those natural disasters. Um, they talk about the San Francisco earthquake, Hurricane Katrina, the Blitzkrieg, things things of that nature, and how people actually report following these things like more happiness usually than they feel before them. But when I'm, when I'm, um, I don't remember the woman's name. It sounds like tribe too. I don't know tribe. Uh, it's a book like Robert Evans talks about it a lot. It's like a, about how during, you know, times of war and times of like people struggling together, depression goes down and right. overall happiness goes up. Right, yeah. right, right. And I just, you know, the, the character of their neighbor, how she, changes as a person as the the thing goes on makes me makes me think about that like we meet her and she's so cynical for like two minutes and then she's like oh wait there's like someone there's like a life to help right here and i have like means to do that and that makes her feel better and be a better person and and we see that through the the flick and it's cool i'm like i'm glad they had her in there and it I don't know if this plays directly into the drives thing you were talking about, but you know, we're seeing our main character returning home and everyone's dead. Her child and husband are dead. And it's kind of a death drive operating on the surface for both of them of like not connecting anymore, like cynicism, pain, sadness, continuing to have no human connection. Whereas rationally but obviously it would be difficult at the time you'd be like oh shit i lost all human connection i should try to build more with mm-hmm. the only people mm-hmm. left but that's not easy to do and fuck knows i yeah. would not be doing that um but they yeah. do get to a point of doing that right yeah i mean she i think does it better than than he does you know be at different circumstances she didn't see Godzillasaurus. Yeah. you know very spooky and she yeah. didn't disobey her like commands or whatever right. and feel yeah. guilt yeah right, right. Yeah, I, I I like watching her grow in this in this movie. Yes, I like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's very nice seeing her. The first time we see her, she just you know heaps all this blame on on him. But then we, I mean it's pretty much what I said with the hidden. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, her growth, her going from placing all this blame on him to helping him raise her kid to respecting him and basically feeling like he's a family member and no one in the audience would doubt for a second that when she got that note she's going to take care of that kid even though she's pissed like she's just solid we just know she's solid Mm -hmm. one thing we haven't really talked about is uh and there's not a ton to say there's a little bit to say the the role of the united states in this film yeah um, yeah there's a split second where we see that the bikini hitol uh, hydrogen bomb test happens and if you don't know then you don't know the US is doing that unless it said it and I missed it um, and I thought I mean, it was just in interesting English. that the okay yeah <laughs> the 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 movie wait what'd you say Barta? like there's English being spoken during that scene oh, you okay. know like I don't okay. think they explicitly yeah. Sell, yeah. say like we're the United States and we're performing hydrogen bomb tests but they like they like yeah. it's alluded yeah, I mean, to pretty hard they don't even explicitly say that that's what created Godzilla. They just show like Godzilla's yep. like eye or something like kind of growing up, something along those lines. Um. Oh my God. 
I I want to tangent really quick to say none of us mentioned yet that when he does the atomic bomb breath, he gets hurt. Godzilla hurts himself doing it, which has never happened in a Godzilla movie, and is so Wait, cool. Does he? Yeah, he gets burned both times after oh, he does yeah. it. You see him like regenerating. Yeah, his face oh, is all charred up. That's right. Yeah. I don't think I noticed so that. That's, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh wow! Great detail. Um, but yeah, okay. So we see the Bikini Atoll test, which is you know the big inspiration for the first movie and the way it starts with the Lucky Dragon incident. But the U.S. isn't really in the film other than that, except for what I would call a signifier without a signified. So like in language like or linguistics, whatever, a signifier is like the word cup and the signified is the actual cup. And U.S.-Soviet relations to the characters we see in the movie is a signifier without a signified. It's just an excuse. It's a, oh, we can't help you with this monster because of U.S.-Soviet relations. Oh, sorry, we were going to come help, but U.S.-Soviet relations. And it's just this like, well, I guess we're fucked because of these this hyphenated term that we don't know anything about <laughs> yeah. because we're just living here and fucked, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, this, this country that um, destroyed all of our infrastructure, created Godzilla, and has told yes. us that we can't build a military. <laughs> it's now telling us that this is our problem we got to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I hope you got a lot of tugboats. And I love that in the context of a movie where they don't, point blame on the motivations of why the u.s and japan are at war is a mm-hmm. little less satisfying is a little more of like a uh, <laughs> i love that but i have to look the other way at that y'all were on the team with fucking yeah, hitler yeah. and doing like <laughs> atrocities for hundreds of years leading yeah. up to this but yeah mm-hmm. but it's good that they made it very small it is a little ridiculous to imagine that in fucking 1940 was it that was 1947 right like at that point when yeah. that mm-hmm. like america couldn't move some ships around <laughs> to yeah. you know it wasn't it was not like the 60s <laughs> yet but yeah. uh yeah it's also totally. sounds like their excuse the reason was because they don't want to alarm the soviets and like well can't you show him like video of this uh, five story tall uh, lizard that shoots nukes out of its mouth? Like, like this is <laughs> why uh, ships are being moved right now. <laughs> but that's the beauty, right? Of all of the governmental relations in this movie is you don't get to say the obvious thing back. Yeah. You don't get yeah. to respond. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. completely opaque. Everything going on back there is just yes. like it's it's like elsewhere, and it, yeah. you just like. There's no light shining through it at all. There's just, yeah, I think you said there's just like reverberations yeah. coming coming off of it that yeah. affect everybody. Oh, and just the complete caring of, you know, the government structures like the U.S. Why the fuck do we care about uh, Japanese citizens? Uh, and then uh, Soviet, like, well, these are our enemies, allies. With, who gives a shit? And then Japan government of, I mean, we just told these people to go kill themselves because <laughs> to save a few bucks or us, like... Uh, whatever we'll just build that up again it's already destroyed <laughs> yeah I don't know. and that's one of the hard things about my like my criticism of the movie not bringing up why japan was at war mm-hmm. i think that that is a problem with the movie but i also think that if you solve that problem you would undermine some of the awesomeness about the movie right you would yeah. undermine that opacity you would you would undermine like if the citizens knew 
why they would are at war, which they did, it would have less weight in the like drasticness of how intense these effects are for like reasons unknown. Mm. But at the same time, it does feel a little bit like a scapegoat of like Japan doing its Japan thing of being like, look at Japanese people, just like we used to say, look at the Japanese government. We're just kind of going along with things. We don't really know what's happening. It 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 feels a little bit like they're playing that game too yeah yeah that that whole speech where you know he's talking about how the government doesn't care about them i mentioned before how like i hoped he would uh yeah say something about how they also sent him out to war but like at the same time i was hoping that i was also like man i don't know if there's a way that can fit that line in without being feeling like they're just like very obvious kind of just like hammering things and just throwing things um yeah, yeah just making just things way too blunt i guess um it's like i want that but i'm also like i i feel like there would also be some kind of a detraction of i don't know if they could really pull that off um yeah morally i want it i guess Bar- Barta, what were you gonna say oh I, w- I was just gonna say that they're sort of treating japan like a leaf in the current you know and and yes. there's no agency at all which in a movie about in a movie criticizing the japanese government is weird and complicated because we've talked about for so long how the narrative that Japan pushed after World War II is that the government was weak and going along like a leaf because then they're not as culpable for their crimes mm-hmm. or their horrible atrocities. But it's in a movie about their atrocities, but only their, only their atrocities on the Japanese people. It's, it's layered and right. complicated. Right, right. Um, I don't know how y'all are feeling. I have a couple questions I was hoping to end with, but I didn't want to get to them yet until people had hit their stuff. Uh, I mean, I feel like we should bring up some of the... We haven't really touched on any of the side characters, like the other, um, his co-workers and stuff. Um, that crew was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved the crew. Super charming. It felt so real. Some of the most I've ever felt for characters in a Godzilla movie... Um, I mean, all the characters in general in this, but but yeah, the, the the crew members are part of that. Like, I really was rooting for them and liking them on an individual basis. I think, um, what's the scientist's name? Like, Noko or Noda? Noda. Yeah, I I, I loved like his character. Um, he felt like he was from a JRPG. Like, uh, I don't <laughs> know something about his hair. It was so messy but perfect and so. I am a sexy. I I felt like he was one sexy older uh, uh, scientist, and I, <laughs> I, 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 oh, yeah. I love that guy. Um, He's great. Uh, just yeah, he was the an absolute sex machine, um, and he was so lovable and charismatic. And I don't know, just the way he, mm, I felt in some ways he was like the most connected, I guess, to the government in his prior position yes i don't know um but he was also like one of the warmest characters who realized the specific faults of the government um himself and was really passionate about not being being the japanese government and conducting this mission uh yeah i mean when they when they are out at sea and he they realize with the information he was given that they're supposed to fight godzilla and they're gonna die doing it he doesn't pull any punches. He immediately calls them out and says how fucked up it is and that it's a death trap. 
Yeah. Um, he even says like, we can retreat. Maybe yeah. we should retreat. Yeah. And I, I, I really like him. I think of him as the character being like, you can't fight the state by trying to make a better state. You need to do something <laughs> else. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked how, yeah, when Shikijima is questioning him, like, can, is this actually going to kill Godzilla? And he's like, honest. He's like, well, I don't know. This is an unknown creature. Like, it seems to make sense that it would, but which was a ridiculous line of question. Yeah, like, that was what, yeah. A, what a dick. <laughs> he was having some fucking problems. Yeah. he just wanted an excuse to to kill himself yeah. in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, kudos. I, I, that character. You know, he was he was honest in a time when he didn't have to be. He was yeah. he's warm throughout the whole thing. I, I loved him. He was my favorite character. And like I said, he's I thought he was very sexy. <laughs> the <laughs> captain of the boat, whose name is escaping me. Reminded me, did you guys watch The Bear? Did you guys watch that show? Oh, yeah, I did. You know the older brother in The Bear? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ebon Moss Bachrock or whatever his name is. Is he an uncle? Yeah. uh, Oh, no, no, the older brother, like the one that you only see in like flashbacks. No, no, no. Oh, no, you're right. He is an uncle. He is the uncle. You're right. The one. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Who uh, reminded me so much of that guy. Like I kept like through the whole movie. I'm like. If this was like an American movie, like that is the man who would who would play that captain of the boat. I just like same vibe to me. I I couldn't stop thinking about that while I was watching that movie. He seemed a little less scummy to me, but I hear you. But like gruff, not necessarily. He wasn't like the character in the bear. I just like the energy from the actor was very, just kind of like I see, I see, like gruff and uh but like caring but I, with a with a kind of punching you in the the back of the arm at the same time while he's giving you a hug or whatever yeah giving him the nicknames and everything that yeah. was a very cute intro i also really liked how they used his dynamic with kid to show that there is this like social capital in being a veteran and that mm-hmm. that is bullshit yeah yeah it yes. was like they have this and i loved how the yeah the veterans know that it's bullshit um they figure it out eventually, yeah. but at first there's this division of like, you haven't been there, so you can't. And it's like this, it's like, oh shit, we're buying into the same lies the government is telling us that there's honor in being cannon fodder in an unjust war. And we're learning through the kid, through the younger generation that we were wrong. I felt like the veterans knew kind of like right off the start that they'd been bullshitting in the war. But they also still used it as social capital. Like they gave the kid shit all the time for not having been there. Oh, you wouldn't know. You haven't been there. You'll know if you ever go to like all this stuff. And then they don't let him come on the journey yeah. because he is not they, a veteran. They, and then realize, oh shit, he's still an asset. They, they Even though he's not a veteran. They do the thing where like, you know, he says something like, I hope I get to w- go to war someday or something like that. And and they're like, he says, yeah. I, I, if only the war lasted longer. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And, and Shikajima like grabbed him and was like, you better not mean that. Yeah. And yeah. and and I agree that they, they use the social capital, but they don't. They also, you know, and this is like how many veterans sort of like. Yeah, this is how veterans are. Yeah, like, I'm good for having done this and yeah. actually like. It's bad that I did this. Is the holding the, yeah. the you know it's the you know uh, holding the contradiction at the the same time. They're they're both things. Yes. One point I meant to bring up earlier is just uh, I, I mentioned that 
Godzilla isn't destroying the financial centers. He's not destroying, you know, the government buildings like normal, the Daya building or whatever, because he represents like the war that continues for the people. And that was really accentuated when he destroyed that theater. I forget what it was called. And they said like, oh, he's destroying the theater that the people love. Oh, yeah. And it was very like, yeah, trying to accentuate that point of like, this is coming for us. It's not coming for the government. It's not coming for the seats of power. It's coming for us. What a strange scene that that whole like section of them mm-hmm. standing on the roof watching watching Godzilla take down the buildings right next so, to them is yeah. so weird to that felt like a callback to the first movie where the guys are on a radio tower and they're talking oh, yeah. about it getting closer and closer and then I think they get hit too yeah I think that must be you must be right there were some cool callbacks like when uh just to the first movie, I mean, obviously the train sequence, which I thought it was awesome that instead of Godzilla eating a miniature train and that's it, you get to see the inside. Like it was a little cheesy, but it was really fun. Yeah. I was just going to say another callback is when he was flying to an island in the first second of the movie, I whispered in the theater, I was like, it's Odo Island. And then it was Odo Island and I was <laughs> yeah. so excited. I was yeah. like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked that. Um yeah, I, I was questioning myself, like, is Odo Island just, like, a really popular island? And then, yeah, it's created for Godzilla <laughs> movies, so, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, who were you with where they where you could be like, it's Odo Island, when they would know what you were talking about? No one would know. I was with my friend Tom. I literally said it out loud to myself, <laughs> sitting next to Tom, he, who he was seen the original impress. but wouldn't remember that it was Odo Island. I just was so giddy. I was like, it's Odo Island! He's trying to impress all the the, the sexy Godzilla fans there. Another, I I feel like it was an intentional kind of like fake callback was uh, when he's revealing Noda, Noda, Noda is revealing his uh, plan and he has that, uh, he unveils the fish tank and like, because immediately mm. I was like, oh, shit, are they going to do the oxygen, destroy her again? But I feel I like missed... that was like <sighs> an intentional kind of like fake out callback to, to good that. Good call, dude. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Very good call. Um, I felt like they were doing callbacks a little bit with, and maybe this is a stretch, but it felt like Godzilla raids again with the planes. And when he took the picture of Noriko and put it on his cockpit it reminded me of the big reveal at the end near the end of Godzilla raids again where like the comedic relief character leaves his wallet behind and the main actress opens it up and there's a picture of her in there and then the next shots they're in the planes um I don't know if that was meant to be but I very much felt like it was a Godzilla raids again callback you know what you can claim it is, and nobody's gonna test you on that because nobody fucking knows. Yeah. Nobody Almost remembers that. Nobody the remembers that movie. Movie for that, and then I was like, "Why?" It's <laughs> no. Godzilla Rays again. It's so wild but that you remember s- that. That is just wacky yeah. to me. <laughs> I did see a post on Twitter today saying that the movie had more nods to Godzilla Rays again than to the original, but I didn't like read the whole thread so i was like okay this i'm confirmed this is right (laughs) yeah wouldn't know watch that once i don't think i'm coming back to it i mean angerous fucking rules but uh yeah it's definitely a lower tier uh zillow movie it's a low t godzilla movie we haven't really talked about the plan at all um to kill godzilla which uh i don't know there's something else you want to get into 
Yeah, I mean, I just I thought it was super interesting. Um, just watching it, and like I said before, I thought they were going to do the oxygen destroyer <laughs> again. It was um, cool to have it's, a, another bubbly plan. You know, that's what that is. Yeah. That reminded me of the oxygen uh, destroyer in that way. Yeah, and just watching it, I was, it, I was like, this seems actually like a realistic plan and totally uh i don't know science but it seems like scientifically it makes sense um and then the tokyo lives podcast uh pretty much said the same thing they seem to know science more so it seems like i'm correct that it does seem like a plan that uh, actually makes sense it could potentially work um uh yeah i was just uh it was very surprising to see a plan in the godzilla movie um outside of just shooting and bombing where it's like, Oh, that actually seems like that makes sense. It's not just some kind of uh mumbo jumbo that they usually go for. And uh, that was interesting and pretty neat. Um, even I, though it's based on a stupid album by Radiohead. I, I gotta say the ending of the movie is my biggest complaint with the movie. I liked that the plan was based in technology and stuff that they could do back then. I mm -hmm. didn't like that, A, we all knew it couldn't work because he had to be tested as a kamikaze pilot. So we knew yes. it wasn't going to work the whole time. I wasn't in it. And then, B, the foreshadowing that there was an ejector seat was so fucking obvious. Yes. That, like, I was just like, come, like, that it. It was. It's really the reason that it's not a five star for me. That it's a four and a half because it was like this is the big reveal. First, you say, "Oh, they didn't give us ejector seats." Then you have a moment where he goes, "And one more thing." It yeah. was just like it, yeah, it, they didn't trust the audience, be? and it frustrated me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that the CGI and the lack of acknowledgement of uh, Japan's crimes of the war um were the things that detracted the most from this movie but y yes i agree that the ejection was very obvious and um the fact that the plot that the plan wouldn't work was was obvious i yeah. just thought it was neat that it actually yes for once it seems like it's a plausible plan yeah and it's fun to watch I, I love the idea of them dropping godzilla down and him turning into goo or whatever just getting yes. smashed <laughs> by the pressure i thought that was that was like uh, you know i had hope in my heart that this plan would work and it would just turn him into blood and goo <laughs> at the bottom of the sea that was one of those plans like that ending sequence i enjoyed much better the second time because i already knew that i knew but the first time mm -hmm. i was like i know it's not going to work and you're trying to surprise me but once you've already seen it who cares it's a really fun plan i like the boat scraping i like the, yeah. the tugboats all coming a uh, person I saw it with was like, that was their favorite part. And to me, it felt a little like the later Star Wars where all of a sudden all the X-Wings show up and you're just like, oh, come on. Like, it was just a little cheap to me. But everything the second time was great. It's just like, I wish that they would trust us a little more and not have him literally go one more thing and point up. Like, come on. Yeah. And, and that's sort of. <laughs> When I walked out of the theater and was like, this is everyone's favorite movie this year. That was sort of like what I was thinking yeah. about. Cause I'm like, this just kind of like moves like, you know, at somewhat, again, I think the themes are better than most like adventure movies yeah. or whatever. But I was like, oh yeah, this is like the amount, like a normal movie trusts its audience to figure out what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Fully agree. Kind of connected to the, the final plan. Um, 
uh, I, I liked how they had that thing of um, the deep sea fish rising up to the, the surface. Yeah. And I did not realize this while watching it. And once again, shout out to Tokyo Lives and Rob specifically. Uh, so when those fish were coming up, uh, I, first of all, I thought that was a really cool detail detail that um we see that in the very beginning and then we see the scope of how much has changed when he's uh transformed into godzilla and how wide how huge of a thing around the boat that is of all the the fish coming up but i thought that they were just fucked up fish um from little little fucking freak fish from being so deep down i didn't realize that they were like fucked up because they were deformed from the pressure change of what they're mm-hmm. trying to do get to Godzilla. And Rob in Tokyo Lives talks about deep sea, how he's done deep sea fishing. And yeah, they talk about how if you reel the fish up too fast, it'll like basically explode out of its body and Whoa. get deformed because of the pressure change. So yeah, that was kind of, I, I really, that was my favorite part of listening to Tokyo Lives podcast is realizing that, they weren't just freak fish from being under underwater. Yeah. They were actually just, they kind of like exploded <laughs> and that kind of like, it's like foreshadowing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, 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 I love how that, that's yeah. Hammers, uh, home, the, um, plan to kill Godzilla. It's, that's very what cool. To Godzilla. But yeah, very really cool. dug that. One thing I want to mention that I forgot to mention is, uh, in the Ginza attack scene, there's a building they focus on after everything's leveled and it has a big clock. And like in a dome-like way, mm-hmm. and it's just standing there. And to me, it felt like that. I don't know if y'all see, have seen pictures of like the of, of Hiroshima, like the epicenter. But like, there's one building with a dome that just somehow yeah. stayed. And it felt like mm-hmm. a callback to that. And I didn't think about checking if you could tell if the clock stopped moving and what time it might have been uh, or not. But I wonder if they would have. You know, they're focusing Ooh, on a clock in Ground Zero. Famously, all the washes and shit stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been a connect. Right. It was 815, right? I don't remember. Um, One thing we haven't talked about almost at all, we've talked about not liking the CGI. I like the CGI, but I get not liking it in general. Um, We haven't talked about Godzilla's design at all. Yeah. A little smaller, right? That's one good looking boy. He's like original size. Yeah. Yeah. He's like 50 feet or some shit. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that he's a, he's a good looking boy. Um, I liked it a lot. Yeah. He looks savage. Yeah, yeah. I I thought he looks really really cool. And um, the spines kind of like emerging when he's doing his his oh, power dude. up. Yeah. How have we not mentioned that? Awesome. That was so fucking awesome. cool. <laughs> like, yeah. When I was watching it, and suddenly they're like jink jink jink. <laughs> my brain was just like. You better do something really fucking awesome for this much buildup. Yeah. Like this has never yeah. been done, and, and it's so and he cool. Did. Yes, and he did, and it's so cool <laughs> seeing the growth. Right, Godzilla didn't have it where his spine, if I'm remembering correctly, fucking DM us if I'm wrong, where it starts at the tail and energizes up to his head until the recent American movies, and then Japan takes it back and makes it cooler. Right? Like, originally mm-hmm. his spine just gets all, like, lights up all at once, his spines. And now they're doing the thing that the American movies came up with, where it goes to the tail, goes all the way up to his head, but they do it like. It's just cool to see this, like, cultural exchange or whatever right. um, yeah. of the growth of Godzilla. Yeah, totally. I also like how 
I don't know, kind of makes him feel more like this, uh, this destructive weapon, I guess, than yes. just like a, than just like a dinosaur. It, it really makes it feel more of, yeah, I don't know, this weapon of war, I guess. Uh, totally. And then, um, also, what do we think of the, uh, uh, his unevolved form? Is like a T Rex type of dealio. You know, I mean, he was pretty much the same. Yeah, I, it it was it reminded me. I, I mean, I was I thought to Jurassic Park when I was when I was watching that, mm-hmm. and I and this was before I knew how little movie how much how little money they actually had for this movie. But I I had this I, whenever I see a dinosaur on screen, I'm forced to think. How did this look so much better in 1994? But but it still looked very cool, and it it moved more like a dinosaur. You know, the change from Godzilla source or whatever the fuck it is to Godzilla is like a real change in uh, behavior. And, You're like, right. And You're right. He walks like more standing up at the after, and, like more human. Yeah. And he. You're right. It's it's not even it's not even it's almost more. It's it. I kept thinking about how. And I don't like have a, I don't have like a, like, there's no glue to this. So I'm sorry. But uh, I kept thinking about like how Godzilla Saurus, which is what I'm calling him now, um, moved through the beach like with intention and, and like, um, as if like an animal. And Godzilla did not move like an, Godzilla like stepped, trotted forward walk you know didn't really you know, yeah it's it, like it almost like a like a blank expression on his face as he like moved through the and it looked it felt like intentionally blank like he was almost not there he was just pure drive i could see that but i also think that you know in early discussions of the original godzilla design they wanted a bit of human in him because he's a human created monster right. And I do think that that's fucking awesome. I hadn't realized that. Like, he's way more savage. I love you can see, like, the spit between his lips in that first scene. And, like, you're right. He's, like, mm-hmm. bent over and, and then, and like, scraping and scrapping and swinging. And then later he, nature, he, he cannot be mistaken for a natural disaster. He is a human-created yeah. fucking problem. Yeah. Later. And that is fucking cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's it, it was almost how mechanical he looked like and not in like a negative yeah, way sure. it just like i don't know he moved through the world with such it, it, it intentionality doesn't even like get to it at, but looking straight ahead walking you know yeah like a wind-up toy and that i mean yeah. that it it ties to how shin godzilla moves but it also ties to what you were saying charlie about his spikes charging up being like mechanical and like a weapon mm-hmm. yeah. yeah a war machine yeah, he's hell yeah. Yeah, that that first scene, I I keep seeing uh people refer to it as Jurassic Park, and um I I I had no idea what people meant when they f- were bringing that up uh before, but since I've kind of started to remember, I'm like, oh shit, I really need to rewatch Jurassic Park yeah, because sure. dude, it's a great movie. <laughs> that that part was awesome. Watching that that sitting down on an IMAX theater and that being one of the, the like the first fucking scene was. Oh god, I love that. That was so cool. It's like, oh shit, yeah, this this is a good movie. Y'all this is gonna be a good movie. 
I'm sorry. Honestly, the best part about seeing an IMAX was the the sound yeah. and music. Yeah. Hearing that Godzilla theme in an IMAX uh, uh, speaker is just like holy shit. Like I, I felt tingles throughout my body. All sorry, right, I'm, I'm dying to ask y'all some questions. Yeah, Are we there yet? Yeah, yeah. Can let's I, do it. Can yeah. I ask questions? Okay. This is the smallest question. Uh, uh, the other ones I promise are going to be more fun, but they mentioned picking up shards of Godzilla and then it's never referred mm. to again. My first thought was, is this for like to, to tie into a Bialante kind of thing? But this is way too far back for gene splicing. So is there any reason y'all could think of that they would say that, that I'm missing? I mean, logically, this is a completely... Uh... Um, alien creature you know nothing about you would want to get any kind of physical evidence parts of it you can to do any kind of research into it but I also like the, the most logical way a government would want to be uh, collecting whatever samples of it they could um, but I but that's not how anything else I in this movie worked you know like they're not yeah, yeah I was gonna say I didn't feel I was about to say I didn't feel like that was the actual intention of that line but I don't exactly know what it could be figuring i i I guess i I sort of thought about like after hiroshima you know there are all these like nuclear forge or heat forge like glass essentially all over uh as Mm. as things just like as things just uh from the heat get together and solidified into these into these like essentially glass like structures that people are still finding actually and that's what i was reminded of i I didn't really like think of it as like a like a a plot beat necessarily as much as like there is residue from from this from this sort of destruction i think you're both probably right that it wasn't directly leading to anything it was just like a cool little piece of the world they were giving us but it just felt out there it could be something you know just like a potential seed for something they could deal with in a sequel definitely uh would not be surprised if that happened well speaking of that noriko's neck in the final scene do y'all know what i'm talking about I did not notice that. They brought it up on the Tokyo Lives podcast, and I was like, wait, what? Did you, did you notice I, it, Barto? I did, but I, I remember thinking about it, but now I'm. it's like not... I don't remember what it was, so, so you have to tell me. For people who didn't notice, she's sitting in the bed. She has a bandage around her head where clearly she like lost an eye or something. It's covered, and she says, is your war over? And he starts crying and says, like, yes, yes, it is, and embraces her, and it's this happy moment. And then it gets a little tense and the camera zooms in on her neck and coming from underneath the collar of her shirt, there's a black, squiggly, moving, like, color on her neck. And, like, in the theater next to me, people went, that's not good. Like, it was definitely the focus. Right, right, Um, right, right. What the fuck is that? Is it radiation? Is it, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Definitely a C. I mean, it sounds almost like the same relevant to your last question except way more explicitly meant to make us think of a next movie because it's at the very end it's like the last shot one of the last shots right once again tokyo lives i believe this is when i was kind of like stopping listening to the episode for time restraints but i believe they said that in an interview the director said that's supposed to be 
um, like what happens when you get like radiation poisoning. There uh, a reference to that. I can't think of what it's called, but I guess there's some kind of like black mark yeah, that shows or something like that. That's what I thought. I don't think I noticed it moving, but I believe. Oh, you. I thought it was moving for sure. Um, but I think are you talking about keloid scarling? Scarring? Is that what it's called? Maybe. Okay, well, we don't know. If you think you know what it is or have ideas, hit me up. I felt like it might be a nugget for a future movie. But in general, actually, first question before that. Why do you all think it's called Godzilla Minus One? Charlie, you want to start? You had a thing you said off mic. I was actually, I was just watching the um, trailers, the two, the first two trailers, uh, American trailers, before we started because uh, I was trying to convince my family to go see this um, and I feel like in one of them, they kind of like specifically say they like they were at zero, but now with Godzilla, they're at minus one or something, something along those yeah. lines. Basically, Who's they? Japan, uh, the trailer. Um, OK, uh, like, yeah, the, the narrative of the trailer. Um, and then but I, I think basically it's it's just saying, uh, you know, with after the destruction of World War Two, Japan was brought to zero. And now before they can rebuild up to one, all of a sudden Godzilla attacks. So now they're minus, they're at negative one. Okay. Yeah. And the, the poster said post-war Japan from zero to minus. Yeah. Um, so that does make sense. Okay. Did, did you have something else that you were thinking of? No. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just... was, no, I, I was super baffled by the title for a while and was like that's definitely something i want to discuss early on when we do this movie um but then i saw that and i was just kind of like oh okay they just they just lay it out there in the trailer (laughs) the the context it was first brought up in before much was known about the movie that i remember was that uh one of the toho accounts did a countdown where they had like a, a, a a chart and they started with Shin Godzilla, or no, they started with, yeah, Shin Godzilla, and they moved back, counting backwards to one, which was Godzilla, and then they put this in front of it, Godzilla minus one. So it was like a meta, do y'all remember that? No. Every day they would update a new poster, and everyone's like, oh, it's counting down, it was like 36, 35, or whatever, it was 33, 32, whatever, because it was all the Japanese movies, and then the last one was one, Gojira, and then it was like, Godzilla minus one, and that's how they announced the title, if I remember correctly. Oh, interesting. So it's also definitely kind of meta, but you know, yeah, because it is a right. It's not a prequel because it's not in the same chronology as any of the others, but it is earlier than any Godzilla before, right? Which then, you know, if you make a sequel, which is what I want to ask about next, like there's a couple hints towards a sequel. They might do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you call it Godzilla one. I don't know what you call it, but. Are y'all interested in a sequel in this universe at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yes. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, I I guess arguments we made, like, this is kind of like a singular experience and making sequels might diminish it, but fuck that. Let's let's fucking go for it. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, I love the vibes of this movie and the sensibilities of this movie and, uh, you know, sensibly, uh, the sequel would, would, uh, vibe off those vibes and sensibilities. So yeah, let's fucking do it. Let's fucking yeah. go. Let's fucking bring in Evera. Let's fucking bring in Gamera. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so fucking... curious. 
this Godzilla. Michael Myers goes, do this shit. Like, this Godzilla fighting another monster, which, you know, it's a Godzilla sequel. You basically have to, would be so mm. interesting with the breath the way yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know how well it would work. But also, like, uh, can he shoot something with his breath that's, like, right in front of him? You know, like, without completely annihilating right? himself in the pro- I mean, I guess he blows oh, himself yeah. up and then just regrows, but... I don't know. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, we also know if he's regrowing right now from just like a, some clumps, how that might change him and his abilities. I, I, I will say, I, I when this was announced, I was super bummed that it wasn't Shin Godzilla 2. Like, that is the sequel yeah. I really wanted. I wanted whatever was going on at the end of that fucking movie to just like resolve. Yes. I was, but if this is the track that they're going on, Let's fucking do it. Yeah, let's give me, give me, yeah, another bad guy or give me, like, mm-hmm. Godzilla. Even, it could be, maybe we don't even need another bad guy. Maybe he's just bigger. Maybe this is, like, a yeah. becomes a worldwide conflict of some kind. Like, let's bring no. other powers into it. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm just, I'm I'm so, I'm ha- so happy with how this bad turned guy. out. And it. It is funny that like <laughs> what I want so bad is another sequel is a sequel to this. Like I think it would be so fun just to see what they do. And there is mm. no like all I ever say is I want another Godzilla movie where they use Godzilla as a symbol and it's like political and stuff. And I'm asking for them to do what they do every time and ruin that <laughs> and take away the gravity of it. It's what has to happen. You can't make a symbol and then Mothra comes and it still works or whatever. But I still want it. It's the death drive. They could. <laughs> they could pull. They could pull it off. I mean, they could. They could but do it. It's tricky territory i hope they like if they make a movie this good and this political with another monster in it i hope it's a new monster but if it's a classic whatever Mm. oh man it's gonna be so much fun if they can do that um but just like shin godzilla we can't take foreshadowing as a guarantee of anything no certainly not Uh, yeah i uh i mean i mentioned earlier that i saw a news article about the director who's in talks with Toho about a sequel, but nothing concrete has emerged his yet. Ass, but uh, his ass is trying you know, to that's... make a Star Wars movie. That's what he keeps telling people. Yeah, is that's that true. He, he's yeah. hoping oh. that the success of this gets him a Star Wars movie. Which, fuck off, Wait, man. Who said that? The director. The director. What? Uh, yeah. That would be very yeah. funny though Ooh. if that was his. If this won him a Star Wars movie somehow. <laughs> Godzilla vs. Luke. Oh, baby. Well, there it is. I'm ready to go into our uh, awards and stuff. Are y'all? I think so. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Who wants to start? Favorite shot? Yeah, I don't know if I brought it up on this podcast, but um, without being able to write notes or during this recording, without being able to write notes, I felt like a huge disadvantage. So I haven't... They don't need to bring up my my awards like on the spot. Um, But the shot that kind of like immediately comes to mind when I was thinking about favorite shots was uh, him screaming after Ginza was destroyed and the ash raining down on him. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, Thought that was a very cool and point poignant shot, and I love how there's like there's like a gap before a gap of time before the ash starts raining down. Yes. and that's just a really cool kind of uh, 
timestamp where you see him screaming and he doesn't even know Ash is about to start raining down on him. But then Ash starts raining down on him and he's still screaming, doesn't doesn't even face him because uh, he's not even in the reality of what's immediately happening to him. Hell yeah. Probably right before that, when when the fucking no, mushroom better. cloud is going off, it, it was just that was pretty like whoa, what the fuck is this? And it 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 was it was pretty exciting and horrifying yeah. and all those things. It was. I mean, that sequence made the movie. The movie's great without it, but that sequence affected me more than any movie I've seen in so long in theaters. I I just have to go with the same thing, like. But I'll do the part where, like, you know, there's the blast, which is amazing and insane and horrifying. And then there's the reverse, like, the suction of everything starts flying back towards the explosion. That was Mm -hmm. so fucking cool. Like, just otherworldly, horrific, and beautiful. And, yeah. Also, when he's on Odo Island, he's just staring out over the water, contemplating his death right in the beginning. Pretty cool-looking shot. Yeah. Yeah. And those fish coming up, that was really cool. Fucking freak ash fish. Let the record show the fish aren't part of my favorite shot, just so nobody gets confused yeah. and writes it down. Yeah. Yeah. Let the record show that Rabbit just lied. <laughs> um, dumb cop of the week. Barto, did you come up with one? You know, she resolved this, but the neighbor saying, mm. why the fuck, you know, like, this is your fault that this happened to us. You should have killed yourself on that plane is totally is being being uh fully cop mine is a cop out huh that's basically the same as that but it's the cop in your head mm-hmm. everybody in this movie has a fucking cop in their head and it's not their fault but it's the thing that everybody has to overcome the like buying into the government's war buying into it the government's sense of morality and we gotta cut that shit out. Yeah. Ev- um, ev- so that that's mine. Everyone except for fucking um, um, Noriko or uh, his his girlfriend, not girlfriend. Noriko. Yeah. No yeah. Noriko. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I also think Akiko doesn't have a cop in her yep. head. She. Uh, yeah. You're right. I think we've been a little too difficult and harsh on cops. So I want to give them an episode where. You don't dogpile, and uh, we've recognized that, you know, they don't deserve all this vitriol. So what's your, um, what's your dumb cop of the week, Charlie? That's, that's my way of uh, avoiding it, acting like I have a principled stance without having a dumb cop. Charlie um, picks no. one of the people on the boat that Godzilla knocks no. off. No, 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 no. My, um... <gasps> My dumb cop of the week is the U.S. for just being like, look, we destroyed your shit. We created this monster. Um, You're on your own. We told you you can't build a a, a military presence back up. But uh, yeah, we don't want to deal with this. You can figure it out. (laughs) That killing 30,000 people in like within an hour and then being just like, yeah, but you guys can still figure it out. Uh, very, very uh, cop mentality. Hell yeah. All right, how are we rating this? We didn't do um, Praxis. Oh, sorry, Praxis Award. Thank you. I'll go first. No. I didn't do... Uh, yeah. Um, Tachibana, the, the mechanic, 
for you know coming to the realization that even though Shakisima is the cause of all these people dying because he didn't take action he's not actually the root cause right he's mm. also a victim uh that's some fucking praxis right there saving the life of somebody who uh you have a lot of feelings yeah. of wanting revenge against yeah and I, I i love i mean i mentioned it before i look i just love how at the beginning he's just like being kamikaze's fucked up how they asked you to kill yourself and at the end even though he has all that hate and anger he's still just like yep here's an ejection seat for you please please live please go on uh, totally that rolls uh noriko for stealing <laughs> nice hell yeah i was gonna say noriko for um taking in an orphan that she's in relationship to and no responsibility for and also <laughs> for um finding a father for the orphan and it seems like she's doing it just by kind of like um kind of just like an overwhelming force of someone who just doesn't want to object but you realize it's well a it's for caring for the child but b also that she also um she wants to actually forge a relationship with this person and help this person as much as she can. And she does help them as much as she can. Uh, and yeah, I think she's just an all around awesome character. Yeah. I was very happy. She didn't die, even though I disagree mm -hmm. with y'all's take. Like we saw everybody die where she was <laughs> and she died. They could have given us uh, like, she walks off screen Did for 10 feet, so we don't know, but they didn't. But I'm so glad she was alive. Like, that's they did such a good job that I was just happy about that when she was alive. Did either of you uh, cry during that reveal? Second time, I got teary-eyed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I teared up both times uh, uh, during that, that reveal. I think there were a couple of earlier moments I teared up, but I also, I tear up really easily for movies. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a beta what big baby Charlie. Big, I'm, yeah, sweet baby Charlie. Charlie. I'm sweet, big baby Charlie. Sorry, I cry a lot in movies, but usually it's when like a nice thing happens after a bunch of bad things because I don't have my guard up as much. Um. Okay, let's rate this fucker for Godzilla movies. We do the S through F scale. Who wants to take the plunge? Who wants to start? I will, and I will say S for stupendous super califragilistic expialibarto super sup sorry psych so 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 good all right cool this is an s definitely definitely oh, great yeah. film yeah i gotta give it an s like they fucking did it. They did a real goddamn Godzilla movie that's not mm. just great because it's a Godzilla movie. It's also just great. Yeah. They fucking did it. Yeah. It sounds like we got a snake hosting this podcast because... <laughs> that's I mean, right. Charlie, to be fair, your, your S isn't as strong because you just gave Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah an S. That was an S movie. Right. I'm, I'm saying this kidding, movie sorry. is right at the same tier as that. That's a very strong recommendation. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Anything else before I close it out? Yeah. I mean, pro tip, when this episode, is this coming out next Tuesday? Are you going to be able to edit it in time for that? Or is it going to? Hopefully sooner would be cool. All the other ones are out, but only what you can do, Barto. Yeah. I mean, whatever Barto's able. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, 
when this podcast comes out, it, this movie should still be in theaters. I highly recommend throwing down the $15 or something and going out to see it while it's still in theaters. Getting that, even if it's not IMAX, getting Godzilla <laughs> on the big screen, the audio on, on big speakers, it's worth it. I mean, if you have children, uh, I mean, here's a pro tip. If you have children, you can't find babysitter. Look, it's just two and a half to three hours. They'll be fine by themselves. If you, if I mean, even if they're they're two years old, they're fine by themselves. This yeah. is our pro tip. You can go to the theater, watch this awesome movie, come back. You know, maybe they'll have some throw up on the side or something. Whatever, they're fine. You just wash them off. It's all good. Parenting tip of the week. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you can, for $1 a month, get extra stuff on Patreon, patreon.com slash nogodspod. Uh, if you want to rate us on Apple Podcasts and write a review, that would be great. You can find us on Twitter and Blue Sky at nogodspod and email us, nogodspod at gmail.com. And if you can't afford the Patreon or uh, don't want to but still want to support the show, you can do all those things. You can also just support Palestine. Uh, there will be links below. Um, yeah, and I just want to throw out this one thing uh, to give an idea about the Patreon. Um, you know, we, we've listed some things before, but like this weekend, we're we're going to hopefully be recording. Like I'm going to record some recommendations and uh, some comments on some movies I've recently watched. And then uh, we're also thinking of recording. Rabbit is recently watched all the 10 all 10 Saw movies, or he's going to do a little, you know, talk about his ranking of the Saw movies. So some fun extra re- uh, recordings that you're not going to get unless you, um, you know, give a, a dollar to the podcast. And, Plus, and we're, we're doing make a, it worth uh, it for you. a response video to a reaction video or whatever, not a video. What am I talking about? We're doing a mini episode talking about the new Godzilla X Kong uh, trailer. So get on Patreon and you can check that out.